a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Town Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys, and I just wanted to announce something that I'm very excited about. If you're in the New York uh, area, uh, New York City area, a good friend of mine, a partner in crime, actually partner against crime in some ways, um, Vic Berger IV, who is a brilliant video satirist, uh, he makes amazing videos. They're on YouTube. He makes fun of people who are pretentious, people who are terrible people, crooks, thieves, liars, that kind of thing. Um, he just is really, really funny. He, he helped, we worked together on a project that basically ultimately destroyed what was left of Gavin McInnes, the founder of the Proud Boys career. Um, Vic and I have both been through a lot with that group and Vic more so than I. Um, he's just a great guy. He's gonna, he works with Tim Heidecker on a project. Tim Heidecker of Tim and Eric comedy geniuses. I find them very funny. They're kind of gross out humor, but I'm kind of a dude with my humor a little bit. I shouldn't say that because I might be offending someone, but I have kind of the sense of humor of like a 13 year old boy and that I like watching stuff I like people running into things, slapstick comedy. I like goofiness. I like silliness. I like comedies. I like just dumb stuff. And so Tim and Eric are kind of, well, I mean, you know, sometimes a little gross for me, but overall I, I get their humor. So anyway, Vic's going to be in New York. He is performing uh, with Tim Heidecker. Please check it out if you can. I'm going to be there one day. I don't know which day, but I'm going to be there. I'm very excited. Uh, Vic emailed me about it last night. And uh, we've never met in person, so this is just, ah, uh, because it's like, he's like my brother. That's how what he feels like. We've both been, we've been through a lot with this group. Trust me. So, I don't want to waste too much time. I'm just very excited about that. It, it's really great to see people who helped try, try as much as we could to damage the Proud Boys um, before anybody knew who they were. To physically see them in person, it's just a great thing. Because it doesn't, you know, you meet these people online, you, you never really know them. So... This is the new bonus podcast. It is January 6th, Committee Day 8. Day 8. Lord have mercy, it's Day 8. I am so tired of this series. I love them. I mean, I get completely enraptured. I watch them twice. I take notes of the entire, entire hearing. But they are exhausting because it just adds so much more work to me. For this particular podcast newsletter, it was six hours of media because I watched the entire three-hour hearing. I watched it twice. I took notes. I found every single tiny reference to Fox News, extracted it. Then I went through the commentary that Fox Business had of the hearing, PBS's commentary of the hearing, and then I went through all three hours from 8 to... Uh, I basically went Tucker Carlson tonight, Hannity, and Laura Ingram. So it's a lot. But it was fascinating, and it was great to see how they all reacted to it. And we're just going to start in with this because it's, it's long. So here we go. 
the heading, the lead, a typical Fox News viewer might falsely believe that the audience for the January 6th committee hearings has been small and that no new information has been revealed in the series. If a Fox News fan watched the primetime coverage that Fox showed instead of the hearing, they'd get a mixed bag of conspiracy theories about COVID-19, old nonsense focused on Bill Gates, and Sean Hannity's continued baseless spin on the riots were caused by Democratic leadership, not former President Donald J. Trump. So when I go through the hearings for the second time around, because I watch it live with everybody else, and then I take the entire, the entire thing with commentary, which this always takes a minute because it's just a huge file, um, and I process it, and I go through, and I watch it with a spreadsheet, and I go down every single minute. Like, I just go every single witness, what they show on the screen. I collect uh, mob footage. But the main thing I'm looking for are references to Fox News. And this one did not disappoint. I won't play it today because it would be too long of a segment to play for audio. Um, it's four minutes long. That's how long it is. I did make a list of exactly um, what was on it. So for this week, um, day eight, the commentary itself was, I mean, the, the hearing itself was two hours and 30 minutes. The commentary by Fox was only 20 minutes. They had a couple minutes before the hearing, 13 minutes and uh, 30 seconds at the recess, and then post-hearing was four minutes and 30 seconds. Now, the references to Fox News, this is a lot. So I'm just gonna try to breeze through these. I do have a video on the newsletter if you want to check it out. It's also on my YouTube. Um, it's just the raw footage. I didn't really put any commentary on it or anything. So I'm just trying to show you how much they used of it. So the witness, Sarah Matthews, who was the deputy uh, White House press secretary, former, of course, mentioned her strong relationship with Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee McEnany is now a Fox News host. Uh, there was also Trump, it was revealed, was watching Fox News. As soon as he got back from his speech, found out the Secret Service wasn't going to take him to the Capitol. So he went back to the private dining room in the White House and turned on Fox News and kept it on for two and a half hours. Uh, Kaylee McEnany also testified that Trump was calling senators, encouraging them to block the certification of electors. Text messages between, I was even shocked by this one, Laura Ingram, Brian Kilmeade, and Sean Hannity, and the utmost top, top White House advisors and staff. So I did not know that about Brian Kilmeade. I knew that about Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity, but also Brian Kilmeade were also all trying to reach Trump to tell him to call off the riot. Kaylee McEnany also encouraged the POTUS to call off the violent mob. And then finally, a clip from Fox News of a Fox host speaking directly to Kevin McCarthy in real time during the riot, asking him what his strategies were to help calm the situation. So imagine this, Trump, like Nero, and I know I'm not gonna be the only person who, uh, I already saw another Substack that called him Nero. Of course they're calling him Nero because that's what he was. So Trump watching the Capitol, which he's sitting in, basically he's not sitting in the actual Capitol building, but he's very close. The White House is not that far away. So he's sitting in the White House as the Capitol is getting smashed, as they're banging in windows, as they're tearing the place up, as there's footage of cops getting pummeled and beaten and tear gas and all kinds of craziness going on, which we all saw in real time. He's sitting there in his dining room, just sitting there watching it from TV. 
And then Fox, which he was watching, cuts into Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy is like, oh, yeah, we got to end this. And, Fo and Trump is still just sitting there. Just sitting there. That's how little he cared. So, yeah, I, this one's really going to be difficult for uh, Fox to spin. But, boy, they tried. Now, the panel for this was Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, Jonathan Turley. He's a Fox uh, News legal analyst. Chad Pergram. He's like a legit reporter. Then they interestingly had two, uh, I would say, I'm going to call Harold Ford Jr. a moderate because in my opinion, he's more of a moderate than he is a liberal. They had Jessica Tarloff, who is definitely a liberal, Harold Ford Jr., who sits in the liberal chair on the five, but I don't consider him a liberal at all. He's much more moderate. And then Trey Gowdy, and Trey Gowdy was my favorite panel member because he really didn't say anything of use and he looks crazy because he's got this crazy haircut and he's just a really weird character he's a very strange man and he really didn't bring anything useful to the panel they've had him on before and i'm always like why is this guy here because he used to be a congressperson um so i did see a slight a slight pitch towards i won't say that they're selling trump out yet but the tonal shift is slowly happening as these hearings have moved forward insofar as i think they're looking for a replacement and when i say this to yesterday laura ingram shot her entire show the ingram angle from florida in which you can guess it her main guest was Governor Ron DeSantis. And now Ron DeSantis has been pushed on One America News Network, Newsmax, and Fox for months as sort of the Trump backup because they think they're all tired of this crazy and the fact that Trump really only seems concerned about Trump, not about the movement, not about Fox News. He's lashed out at Fox News multiple times. And I don't think Murdoch's ever been a big fan of Trump. It's just they don't really care. There's no integrity. They're just going to go wherever they think the ratings are going to take them and where they can keep their numbers. So if that means backing a person that Murdoch thinks is kind of nuts, they'll do it. They don't care. So I'm going to play uh, the audio of the condensed commentary that I took like 20 minutes and I shrunk it down to about two and a half and break it up a little bit as we go through it. The first voice you're gonna hear is Martha McCallum. Did the president ever call the Secretary of Defense? Did he call the head of DHS? Did he call the National Guard? Did he call the Capitol Police? Uh, and the answer from those individuals, uh, from, from their own knowledge of being in the White House was that that did not happen. So they started off strong. They're giving some basic evidence that was shown in the hearing, which again, I'm, this is why I'm seeing kind of a tonal shift with Fox here a little bit, because in past hearings, they don't even mention the evidence at all. They just, they, oh, there's not enough opposing voices, yada, yada. Next up is Brett Baer, also very legit Fox News. Every time they show the clip from uh, the rally on the mall, and they ever, yeah. whenever they take a clip from President Trump, they always leave out that ending clip of let's march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol. I mean, if you're at this point, we've seen this tape so many times, why not just play it? Yeah, we, we all know that that's not what ended up happening, but the fact that they constantly edit it out, I think reflects poorly on them. They should just play it the way it was, that the president said, we'll march together peacefully and patriotically cutting it out i think is, is sort of a, a piece of, of silliness at this point now if you've listened to this podcast before i have discussed in past hearings this line gets brought up a lot on fox not just in the commentary 
of a hearing. They bring this up throughout the entire Fox universe. Every show I've surveyed, analyzed, has brought this one line in the speech up where he says, you will march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol to let your voices be heard. Now, they're trying to say that that one line absolves Trump of the tweets he made after the riot started, which was discussed in day eight, and all of the other extremely heightened language that he used throughout his speech. And just to further the point, not to, not to take some away from Trump, but the entire day was filled with speeches of people making this crazy heated language, this heated rhetoric of they're trying to steal the election. They're trying to steal your democracy. We have to fight. We have to fight. Um, so I think they're trying to get a lot of use out of this one line and it just gets weaker and weaker the more they bring it up quite frankly because it's just there's just way too much other evidence in the other direction that weaken the fact that he you know oh peacefully patriotically once he says it once okay the next voice you're going to hear is chad program he is a legit reporter he's actually won awards they had him reporting on um triumph the insult comic dog the other day and i felt sorry for him but he makes some decent points here. The former president made targets out of his own vice president and lawmakers who do the people's work here at the United States Capitol. So again, this is kind of a step forward for Fox. We're actually discussing the evidence. We're actually discussing what everyone just saw in that hearing. They don't always do this. Now we're moving on to Jonathan Turley, who's going to spin, spin, spin. President did fail to uh, carry out the responsibility of his office to protect uh, his vice president to seek uh, peaceful resolution on that day. That delay was a critical delay. Uh, the hearing, however, sounds a lot like impeachment 3.0. We haven't seen a lot of new evidence, certainly not a clear criminal case. See, Turley has been saying that throughout pretty much all of these hearings. They have him on as a legal expert. I think every time they've had him on. The next voice you're gonna hear is Trey Gowdy. I, I still don't know why he's on this panel except for to look like the henchman of a 007 Bond villain because it's kinda, and again, he looks like a henchman. He doesn't look like a villain, just a henchman. You'll know what I'm saying. Just Google Trey Gowdy. You'll know immediately. This issue is singularly important. This hearing so far, I think has been underwhelming. Next up is uh, Jessica Tarloff. She's the liberal on the five. I think the ultimate goal is to affect American sentiment when it comes to Donald Trump and uh, many of his key supporters. I thought one of the most important points that was made tonight was that in the immediate aftermath of January 6th, you could not get a Republican to defend the president. And then a couple weeks later, people got over it and they started going back to Mar-a-Lago and they started soothing his ego again and they started proliferating the big lie about election fraud that began all of this, which the former president continues to do. I think that having Republican voices almost exclusively as the, the guests that people are testifying is an incredibly important piece of this puzzle. These are people who did not want this to happen. These are people who believed in President Trump. And these are people who were let down from the highest levels by that administration. Now, this is just my gut feeling, my opinion, but I think they purposefully had two more moderate voices, a liberal and a moderate, on the panel this week to say what Brett Baer and Martha McCallum cannot say because Fox has to be on brand. So if they're going to have people say what they want to say without saying it, they need to bring in these quote unquote outsiders, these liberals. 
I think Fox News is pivoting hard towards Ron DeSantis. I think they're sick of this. I think they realize that Donald J. Trump is just going to be one lawsuit after one lawsuit after one lawsuit, and people are tired of it. I think they also realize that MAGA is shrinking and moving towards Ron DeSantis. And I think this is their way, again, of supporting an argument without directly supporting it. So they're going to have the liberal on. They're going to have uh, a little bit more, you know, still with pushback and still with the typical Fox outrage and all that. But I thought this was a subtle tonal shift and I could be wrong, but that's just my gut feeling having listened to this. Now we're back to Martha McCallum again, and she's going to repeat the same tired line that they've repeated in every single hearing commentary. Which I think there are questions raised about having another side uh, that is uh, an element of this. You've got Cheney and Kinzinger, but they're very much like-minded. So I want to point out that that was repeated several times in the last commentary for hearing for day seven. They said that over and over. This time they only said it once, and it was only Martha McCallum. This next one is just to swipe at Representative Cheney. You should point out that the September hearings will continue after Liz Cheney's primary, which recent polls suggest that she is trailing significantly in Wyoming, yeah. uh, to a challenger backed yeah. by former President Trump. Personally, I think uh, at this point, Representative Cheney doesn't really, I mean, I'm sure she's sorry to, to lose her seat, but I think she views her role in the course of history to be far more important to fight back against this than to simply go along. So I, I don't think she is really minding the fact that she's going to probably lose that seat. Also, Sarah Matthews, the deputy White House press secretary, saying that this was one of the darkest days in American history, and the president, in her terms, thought it was rather celebratory. Mm -hmm. Chad Pergram on the Hill. So that was Pergram, the congressional correspondent, who we probably should have been hearing from every single um, hearing. But this is the first time they really featured him. Um, and I, I think that's very interesting because he's definitely more of a neutral voice than McCallum or Bear. So I do sense a shift that Fox is getting tired of the constant crazy. Murdoch was never a huge fan of Trump. Trump's rallies are getting smaller and smaller and more and more hype is getting pushed towards DeSantis. In many ways, DeSantis could be far more dangerous than Trump. It's hard to know right now how that's gonna go. But the other thing that I think why Fox might be trying to pull a little bit away from this crazy is that in polling, as unpopular as President Joe Biden is right now, Trump is polling even lower in a head-to-head -head, uh, re-election situation. Um, so I do think that that's why we're starting to see the subtle shift away. And I did see a big difference between this commentary and the commentary on the last hearing, insofar as that they actually talked about the evidence um, and they had more of a a moderate tone to the whole thing instead of just there's no opposing voices which they said like six times i think last last hearing so moving on to pbs pbs had an excellent panel pbs had slightly longer coverage and i'm not sure how they managed that i double checked it i went back i think fox just had more dead air where they just showed people walking in without talking um but pbs had 17 minutes 30 seconds of recess coverage and 11 minutes post hearing because of that, I did not compare the two directly like I normally do with my word count. Um, it just, there was, it's just the time difference was too great between the two. So I, I just would, wouldn't feel like a fair assessment. 
The panel consisted of Judy Woodruff of PBS, Lisa Desjardins of PBS, Mary McCord, who they've had her before. She's a former Justice Department official under President Obama. Jamil Jafar, former associate counsel to President George W. Bush. And Evie Pompuris, who is a former Secret Service agent. And I thought her addition was really wonderful because she brought a totally new perspective to this. Now, the first voice you're going to hear is Judy Woodruff. I'm just going to start with kind of how she started the entire commentary. Uh, reacting, catching our breath mm -hmm. as we listened uh, to the description of Secret Service agents protecting Vice President, then Vice President Pence, who were worried about whether they were going to survive. So that's how Woodruff started the commentary at the recess for day eight. And I thought that really set the tone. And then after she went on about that a little bit, both McCord and Jaffer immediately pointed out that Trump purposefully sat in his dining room while the riot raged on in hopes that the rioters would stretch out enough time to delay the process of certifying electors, which is terrifying when you think about it, that he just sat there as people were getting hurt, people were getting you know blacked out, dropping to the ground, 140 um, police officers got injured that day. Somebody, one of them like lost an eye. Some of them have permanent damage. Um, they had to quit being police officers. They had to retire because uh, the, their injuries were so severe. That's how bad it was. And he's just sitting there hoping that this, you know, completely insane plan would work. So then the PBS has the um, Secret Service member. Uh, she speaks at length about Really, it's difficult for me to describe it, and it wasn't an easy thing to clip because she went in, it was a very long discussion on her part about why this was so difficult for the Secret Service and why uh, Vice President Mike Pence was never really that secure. They were always right there. They just did not have an optimal situation and how desperate it was and that Secret Service uh, members were calling family members thinking they weren't going to make it. They were literally going to be killed. Um, and it does give you a little bit of perspective of why Ashley Babbitt was shot by a Capitol Police officer, because now we know that all of the security uh, knew that some of the rioters were armed, um, that they knew that there was a potential for violence, there was a potential of them getting shot, that there was tear gas used, and there was all kinds of horrible things going on. So it just adds another layer to this, to hear her perspective. I thought it was, it was excellent to have her on the panel. Now, the next voice you're going to hear is McCord. She was the um, Obama attorney who she now works for a foundation that works on the Constitution. She basically answers the criticism that Fox has repeated in every single hearing. And, you know, there are critics I heard just even on my way to the studio tonight saying, well, it's so one-sided. But let's not forget, you know, the proposal originally was for an independent commission. The proposal has been for bipartisan. And so to, to now criticize that this is one-sided, and I would say I think it's quite balanced, but to say it's one-sided is really just for, you know, revisionist history about how we came to this, to this spot. And she is completely correct. The Republican Party, um, the leadership put the uh, committee in a terrible position because they, they refused to have an independent commission and then they said, you're going to use our Republicans or no Republicans. And so it just became this huge mess because the people that McCarthy suggested were probably in on the conspiracy. So you can't really use them to investigate it now, can you? Now, the next clip is uh, Judy Woodruff. And this is Judy Woodruff mentioning Fox News. That's how big Fox News played in day eight 
of the hearing. The strong impression tonight was that even the people closest to him in the White House, his own daughter, his children, his closest advisors, his fans at Fox News, were all telling him to call off this mob. I it's interesting that she calls them fans at Fox News. Um, from what I've read, Hannity was basically de facto chief of staff in some ways. But I can understand that Judy Woodruff wouldn't want to make that leap. Now, this last clip from PBS is from Jamel Jafar, who worked for a Republican administration. So I think he had incredibly great insight here. I mean, and I think what you saw uh, Representative Cheney, Representative Kinzer uh, from the Republican side lay out the case for is this was a president who not only was engaged in dereliction of duty, but also maybe unfit to serve again. I think. And his the full clip of his was much longer than that, but it's basically I got the essence. Um, so that's all I really want to play about PBS because my focus is Fox. But I did want to show kind of how completely different the two networks covered this and continued to cover this. Um, so moving on to what happened at prime time. This gets really weird. So the first one was Tucker Carlson tonight, who, again, he chose to completely ignore um, the hearing. It just flat. He made one snippy little comment, which I will play now. Control room, there's a huge bank of monitors and every single one of them that shows everything that's on TV. And one of our producers just said that on every other channel, they're playing some kind of January 6th hearing. January 6th, because that's the biggest thing going on in America right now. Now, why are they doing that? No one wants to watch it. You know what happened on January 6th. Some guy in Viking horns wandered around on mushrooms and made weird noises, and that was kind of it. It was an insurrection in which none of the insurrections had guns. But it makes the people covering it feel like they lived through Vietnam. More lifestyle liberal narcissism. That's really the key to everything. Anyway. Now, I'm just going to point something out. It was swallowed. It was kind of a throwaway line there. But... Mr. Carlson, Slacks McGee, um, repeated a line that at this point, if he doesn't know the truth on this, I, I, I'm kind of suspecting brain damage. Maybe he was fishing or he was, you know, having his testicles tanned like he does for his movie Death of Men. Uh, he was wearing his loafers on the dock and slipped. I don't know. But uh, it's been pretty much widely reported with evidence of photographic video and radio correspondence between law enforcement that I'm just going to say this some of the rioters had weapons including assault rifles and other firearms there's proof of this there's pictures of it how do you keep lying I'm going to say lying how are you keep how do you keep lying to your viewers you're just blatantly gaslighting them okay Second, he reduces this down to uh, a guy with Viking horns making funny noises. Tucker Carlson made an entire documentary about January 6th called Patriot Purge. So whatever, which he claimed the whole thing was an inside job and that the FBI really did it, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And then thirdly, he acts like this is a mystery that he didn't know was happening tonight. No, shut up. He spent most of his airtime whining about yet another COVID-19 um, conspiracy theory. I guess he just wants everyone to die. I do not understand this man at all. He makes me crazy. Moving on to Hannity. <laughs> Moving on to Hannity before I blow a gasket. Here we go. I just want to say that Hannity took a totally different direction with this. Whereas Tucker tried to ignore it. Hannity like panically tried to fight back against it. And it might be because Hannity is actually being used as evidence in the whole investigation.
And it is rumored that Hannity had an incredibly tight relationship with Donald J. Trump. And I, the evidence so far towards Hannity does not implicate him in any way. It says that, you know, Hannity's saying, call it off the mob, you know, don't do this, call off this stupid election talk about you didn't win the election. So Hannity doesn't actually look bad, but we don't know what else is there. I suspect Hannity's a little nervous because he spent a lot of time of his show on Thursday dedicated to this. Now, the voices you're going to hear are, besides Hannity, are Representative Banks, briefly. You're also going to hear um, Mark Levine and uh, everybody's favorite, Stephen Miller. I say that sarcastically. This is probably about 20 minutes reduced to a minute and a half. January 6th committee, their big dramatic primetime grand finale. Unsurprisingly, they did not establish a criminal case. Speaker Pelosi, she's the person in charge of security at the Capitol. The Pelosi Stalinist investigation without any barriers whatsoever. Nancy Pelosi wasn't called. Chuck, you know, they ended up playing a lot of sliced and diced videos when he told supporters, many of you now will peacefully and patriotically. So the kangaroo court going on right now, a cheap, selectively edited political ad. Again, uh, we also agree what happened in the summer of 2020. We had 574 riots, Mark. Uh, I would build fences. I would build walls. I would use cement barricades. You need a perimeter. And is why we should also have a committee on the 574 riots in the summer of 2020. This riot, the summer of 2020, 574 riots. We're at hearing number eight. Where is it? That's why there's absolutely no committee looking into the summer of 2020 rioting. Uh, worse than so many other statements encouraging, like in the case of Donald Trump, to peacefully, patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices are heard. The American people see this for what it is, a one-sided political smear. There's nothing, absolutely zero evidence. Zen, the, Jan the January 6th committee is a complete dud. What we have is third world justice. Okay, that last voice is Stephen Miller, and I did take some clips of him and put them on Twitter um, the past couple days, and they've all done gangbusters, uh, which kind of shocked me. But the thing that's so funny about him is I think he thinks he's much better at public speaking than he is. I'm going to do a quick Stephen uh, Miller impression, and I'm going to have to pull away from the mic because it's kind of loud. But Stephen Miller, when he talks, the President of the United States of America is the greatest man who's ever lived, and he was an agent for change. And that's why they have to stop him. That is why. I mean, he just, he looks like he's about to, like, have a medical issue or something. He's terrible. He's a terrible public speaker. Oh, that man is so many. I just, I think he's, like, probably one of the most hated Trump people ever. Stephen Miller is the one that was behind the whole, let's put, uh, let's take children away from their parents to dissuade people from immigrating to the United States. And then we'll put the kids in cages. Lovely human being. Lovely human being. Uh, that is massive sarcasm, if you didn't know. Now, the last show, uh, Hannity did, did spend a lot of time. And the thing I mentioned, the, I kept a couple of Nancy Pelosi clips in there, is he blames this whole thing on Nancy Pelosi. Now, just Google. Uh, I'm going to probably, I might do an entire podcast just to break this down because it's a little involved. But he tries to blame the entire January 6th riot on Nancy Pelosi, and it makes no sense. And factjack.org has a great 10-page detailed breakdown of why his theory makes no sense. Now, the last clip is a brief one. It is um, from the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram. And she spent a lot of time... It was really funny. I made a clip of this to put it on Twitter. I didn't include it in this podcast because it's kind of telling a different story. 
but she did this whole long extended thing about why the press is hypocritical for covering Biden's COVID diagnosis differently than Trump's. And then in the previous hour, Hannity had a doctor on who explained at length quite well why the two diagnoses were quite different because the disease is different at this point, how we treat it is different at this point, and that the vaccines actually work um, and that they've greatly reduced the severity of the disease. So this is just from uh, the Ingram angle. Here you go. Like, I don't want to give the, the January 6th committee uh, much attention at all, but Nicole Wallace had a pressing question today in the lead up to it all. When I had COVID, I binged Lucifer. President Biden has something else he could watch on television tonight. That's the primetime hearing of the January 6th committee. Do we know if he plans to watch that? I don't know, Nicole, how much he will watch. He has been watching the hearings when he gets a chance. No, first of all, who thinks Biden's still up, number one? Um, number two, uh, why is Ron Klain still employed at the White House with his track record? Well, that was really amazing insight from the Ingram angle that we all got there. I think there was supposed to be a funny segment. I think we're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Who thinks Biden's still up? I mean, give me a break. He's like 110 years old. He's got bags hooked up to him. That's what he's doing right now. He's just getting his bags changed. That's what he's doing. I don't even care. He's the president. He, everybody hates him. Okay, that's my Laura Ingram impression. It kind of hurts to do that because she's she's very clenched, very clenched. So that was the that was all the um, programming on the night. It was six hours, so it took me a minute to get through all of it. Um, six hours plus the commentary, and I did go through, I always go through the uh, hearing twice. And I'm exhausted, I don't know about you, but as I wrote earlier in the newsletter, I do think we might be at a tipping point and that this is the start of the shift from Trump to DeSantis or another Republican contender. Um, because I think Fox, at any moment, if they think the voters aren't with Trump, they're gonna take that flagpole of DeSantis and shove it directly into the proverbial corpse of the MAGA movement. They do not care. There's no loyalty here. It, they just want to keep the ratings up. They just want to keep their supporters coming. They just want to keep the money coming in. Um, they don't care. They do not care. And I do see this shift starting to happen. I want to take this time to thank some new Patreons. I got a bunch after appearing on... Um, John Fugelsang's show. Thank you so much, John Fugelsang. I'm sure he's not listening, but all this money will go towards better software. I'm using kind of really sad audio software that can be very difficult to work with. Um, Dean Cully, thank you so much. Ed Anderson, thank you so much. And Kevin Gao, thank you so much. I know Kevin Gao through my sister. Very, very much appreciate it. Um, means the world to me that you're helping out. Um, I just wanted to say very quickly that uh, someone reached out to me. I don't want to reveal this person's identity for privacy reasons uh, about losing their mother to Fox News. And I sadly hear this a lot and it absolutely breaks my heart. Um, it is a very common problem nowadays because politics has gotten so heightened and so out of control and so tribal. And I'm so, I'm just very, very sorry. I'm trying like with all of my energy to fight back against this horrible, horrible machine. Um, I look at it this way. I will say this. I'm going to try to do a podcast specifically with a friend of mine who is an expert in de-radicalization. She just moved to New York. Um, she has a master's degree in psychology. And this we met through the Proud Boys and she uh, through working on the Proud Boys. And I want to do an entire episode dedicated to how to get a loved one a little bit away from 
this horrible rhetoric from this propaganda. And I will say this very briefly before I end the podcast. Um, just, I, I can't even begin to open it because it does it deserve its own podcast. It just deserves its own podcast. It's too complicated. But the best way to approach them is to, like, as if they're a, a landmine. And you have to be incredibly calm. And as they're screaming at you and yelling at you, not react. And it's very difficult, especially when it's your mother, especially when it's your loved one. I have a relative who's close to me who's also gone down this horrible, horrible path. And it's, it's hard on the whole family. And I just want to say I'm very sorry. And like I said, we are, I'm going to dedicate a whole podcast to that topic. Um, it's just been very busy with the January 6th committee hearings. I haven't been able to fit anything extra in. But don't worry, that's coming. And uh, we'll explore management. That's the only way I can say it. You can't de-radicalize them, but you can maybe help steer them in a better direction. And also that nobody has a perfect family. Nobody is perfect. We all have relationships that are fraught, that are difficult to deal with, and we are doing our best. And uh, like I said, I will try to get that out hopefully soon because January 6th, we do have a breather until September. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Thank you for supporting the newsletter. Um, if you want to support the Patreon, I have all different kinds of levels. $5 a month is the lowest. That would help tremendously. You don't have to. Everything's still very much free. I'm hoping to get some more stuff on YouTube. I have been very bad about that because January 6th has eaten up all my time. Odin and Thor are doing great, by the way. They're, they're cats. They're the mascots for the podcast. One's black and one's a tuxedo. Thank you so much. I will have another podcast coming up on Monday. So very soon. Thank you so much. 